Blog Talk Radio. Tune in to the hottest sports talk show on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Join us weekdays at 7 p.m. Stories about players and coaches of all levels. We make it easy to talk sports. Welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. I'm excited. Here at 7 p.m. tonight, but this is a special edition of Never Had It So Good, and I am going to welcome in family, Coach Johnson and Coach Henry, in just a moment. I do want to say thank you to everybody for all the great broadcasting from the pre- from the week. It has been just powerful, and happy Mother's Day. Um, this is Mother's Day weekend coming up, and thank you to moms, Heather Frazier, Blake Green, Christy Jackson and Tori Martin, all three with college athletes um, playing football right now, and they got a chance to stop by the show on Monday and just talk about how it has been for them, the journey, and to see their sons play. And all four sons called in and said, um, Happy Mother's Day. So it was a powerful show for sure. Let's get in our guest here and welcome in Coach Johnson to the show. Coach Johnson, how are you? I am good. Blessed to be here. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it is my pleasure for sure. Coach Henry, how are you, sir? Man, I'm doing great. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on. And like like Coach Johnson said, you know, we, we appreciate you having us, man. It's just big. Thank you so much. Yeah, you know, I, I listeners, sometimes you just meet people and you instantly connect and you're like family. So I hope we continue this collaboration to bigger and better things. So I am just excited to have you. Um, There's a lot going on in the world of sports, but I want to come back and revisit um, the NIL. um, And I want to talk about it from the perspective of women's sports and and just because um, it has really evolved. And I think it's increased the awareness and exposure of our female athletes and 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 coach henry i'll start with you with angel reese and her being able to climb from just eight hundred thousand to now you know over a million with what deals with mercedes-benz being featured in sports illustrated talk about that evolution that you see from women's sports and the fact that angel reese has capitalized off of her lsu transfer and winning the national championship in just a year. Just talk about that, though. Well, we're in a culture of what have you done for me lately, and what she's done is brought women's sports to a new level, uh, elevated not only the LSU program, but elevated her status as the face of women's college basketball right now. I think that this is remarkable what she's doing and setting the standard. She's setting the bar very high now. So I think that uh, you know, going forward, this is a, a chance for young ladies to be seen. You know, they've always been fighting for equal rights and uh, equal pay, you know, going back to the WNBA versus the NBA. Uh, this is something revolutionary that she's doing, and I love it. I, I think that she's uh, a great asset to the women's game, and I think that she's uh, giving these uh, ladies a, a something to shoot at, uh, you know, a goal to aim for. 
Yeah, because, you know, the WNBA is still, still virtually new, and that's an avenue. And, of course, going overseas. But, Coach Johnson, the NIL is here to stay, and now women's basketball, um, women's sports is escalating into making money. The number one, um, you know, NIL is, is, is the, the Lindley girl from, um, I want to say Michigan, as far as gymnastics is concerned, but coming in at number two, is Angel Reese. Talk about that and how she's um, um, evolved, and, and then we'll get into what Kim Mulkey has done to help them. Well, I, I think definitely if you look at where sports is going, in, in particular women's sports, uh, it's a great move because one of the things about, you know, basketball, everybody was like, oh, you know, we don't, we don't want to watch women's basketball. It's as boring as this but the game has transcended so much. The girls are uh, a lot more athletic than 20 years ago when you have, you know, two or three of them that can dunk now. Just the way they play the game, uh, the, the NIL was a very good move, number one, to bring awareness to a great sport and bring a ton of awareness to women that can play uh, any sport. So when you have, you know, the, the two girls that, um, or gymnasts, that's huge when, you know, you can say, hey, we're, we're some of the, the richest athletes uh, because of uh, NIL and playing a sport. So it, it's a really, really great movement to see for the future of, of women's sports in general. Yeah, as a matter of fact, LSU and the Tigers have two of the top three in NIL deals. Um, Flo J. Johnson is, is coming up at number three. Coach Johnson, I want to stay with you, though, and talk about um, the women's basketball game in college and where we are. Because throughout the season, I don't know if we thought that LSU would be there um, in the Final Four and then be in the national championship game. And then, really, I thought, dominate Iowa um, in that first half. Um, talk about the job that Kim Mulkey has done and how she's allowed these young ladies to be themselves but also still be coachable. Um, I think that's a masterful job by Kim Mulkey. I, didn't, I don't know if we thought this, this is who would be our national championship at the beginning of the year. I, did, I, I never doubted it. I, I never, you know, came out and said, hey, I think they're going to win. But the one thing I know, I closely watched Kim Mulkey uh, the entire time she was at Baylor. My, my daughter actually went to middle school with Alexis Morris, so I had the privilege of watching and knowing Alexis uh, at a very early age and um, seeing her, you know, maturation through high school. I was integral in, in helping her, you know, get to the high school that she graduated from and went to many camps at Baylor got to talk to Kim Mulkey, you know, many times, uh, and, and just the way she approaches the game, I would never count her out. And the fact that she utilized the transfer portal showed me that she's, you know, ahead of the curve, and she's staying with the curve and getting the plug-and-play, which parents need to really look at. You know, if you have a kid in high school, uh, she just made a, a very, very good move that's going to affect, you know, high school kids. But um, having and, and bringing in those type of girls, and she brought in girls that were gritty, girls that were in your face, 
that's going to be there, you know, all day. That's going to wear you down. So you can never really count that out. And they're skillful. So in, in, in that regard, you can never say, you know, just because Iowa, you know, looked the part, um, even though they were the, the, the clear front runners to win because of the success they had, um, just when you have so many girls with that kind of grit and talent as well, it, it's hard to count count those guys out. And, and you know, Moki is an amazing, amazing coach. And those guys bought in very fast, and she let them be who they were. And, and I think when you do that, guys will run into a brick wall for you, male or female, and she was able to pull the best out of every single one of them. So hats off to, you know, Alexis, the, the whole the whole gang, and Coach Kim Mulkey. Um, I never doubted that it, it wasn't possible. And the closer they got to it, the more I, I kept saying they got a shot. And the place for them, and I want to correct myself, Libby Dunn is in the number one spot at $3.4 million for NIL as far as women's sports. And she is in gymnastics at LSU. So the top three in women's sports right now as far as NIL deals are at LSU. Coach Henry, I want to come to you. Um, and it did look like Iowa, after beating South Carolina, who was undefeated, it looked like Iowa was in place to take this because they seem to have the number one shooter, Caitlin Clark, and she was deadly from everywhere. But LSU was coached just right, and I agree with you. Kim Mulkey, I've been watching since she played basketball at La Tech. Maybe that dates me a little bit. But your thoughts about the job that Kim Mulkey was able to do, they only lost two games the entire season, but she tried to temper the fans by saying, hey, you know, we, we still, we're still trying to get there. Six transfers, four of them starts, and she has herself a national championship. Talk about that. Well, you kind of hit, hit where I was going with it. Kim Monkey was a feisty player as a point guard at uh, Louisiana Tech. She carries that over to her coaching style. Even at Baylor, this was a reclamation project as well. She's only been at LSU two years. You know, uh, us living here in Texas, we got a chance to see that Baylor program, you know, win and flourish in the Big 12 and, uh, you know, make themselves a brand on the national scene. Well, she took that same ferocity and uh, tenacity to LSU, and that translates to the players. You can tell defense especially, and she's a defensive stalwart as far as stressing that they got to play defense to start their offense. I think it translated over to what they wanted to do. And then let's talk about the women's game. You know, I know a lot of people say, well, it's slow or whatever, but it brings it back to fundamental basketball. You have to be able to pass, shoot, and defend. Let's forget about the dunks and everything else on the men's side. But if you fluidly look at the fundamentals and the technique that these young ladies use at the high level, they're playing high-level basketball, this is what LSU showed us. And, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, you spoke about them not being favored. Well, UConn and uh, Coach Don Staley of South Carolina seem to be on a collision course throughout the season. But it always comes back to who's at the right time. LSU and Coach Mulkey, uh, they were hot at the right time. And I think the difference in her coaching style, she's changed it up over the years. And I've had a chance to listen to some of the interviews uh, post-championship. She has embraced the culture of the young ladies, embraced the culture of uh, Louisiana State and Baton Rouge 
to a T. You know what I'm saying? I, I think it's in the gumbo down there now. It's mixed up, and these guys have the right recipe for success at LSU. <laughs> You are correct. I I agree with you. It may be in the gumbo. I'm going to stay right with you, Coach Henry, because you're correct. Um, The women's game has really evolved. And you said this too, Coach um, Johnson. Maybe 10, 15 years ago, it was really healthy scale to, you know, run up and down the court. You steal the ball, you steal the ball. But they really have the fundamentals now. And, yeah, there's several of them that can dunk. But um, they have sharpshooters. And if you don't have one, I don't know how – you can win. I want to talk, Coach Henry, about your at the beginning of the season. You said um, uh, Don Staley and then Gino Oriyama were probably the favorites. Gino encountered a lot of injuries, including Paige Becker. But Don Staley goes undefeated through the regular season. Did you not think that they're the favorites? Um, Standing though that March Madness is madness, and when that bracket falls just right, it did. But did you not consider Don Staley and what she'd done to be an integral part of what women's basketball is doing? Well, again, it goes back to her being a great Hall of Fame player herself, a point guard, feisty. She takes that into what she breathes in the coaching profession. Uh, she started out at Temple uh, towards the end of her WNBA career. And now she's uh, found a home and established a program of success at South Carolina. Uh, you know, they were the favorite coming into the tournament. Uh, but, you know, they ran into a hot team in Iowa, uh, LSU. It kind of seemed like it was going to be set up for a SEC rematch. Uh, that's the only team to uh, defeat LSU on the season. But uh, I think that she has started a trend in, in where it is that, you know, women coaching, especially black women, are at the forefront of this uh, particular sport. And I love it. I love everything she stands for. I think she's one of the best coaches in America at any sport, not just basketball. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I'm going to start there with you, Coach Johnson. Um, um, Neil Ivey is, is, is at um, Notre Dame. And then Coach Yo, who I love at Ole Miss. And then um, the young man, I can't remember his name at Virginia Tech, but you could see African-American women and men were at the forefront in the, the Elite Eight, the Final Four. Your thoughts about what Don Staley is doing, only because it's just near and dear to my, my heart, Coach Johnson, because I live in Columbia, South Carolina. I got to see them up close. Got to see LSU in South Carolina up close when LSU came to town. But I thought they were on a magical course and it was just not to be. But talk about what she's been able to do and the impact of African-American women in the sport of women's basketball. Well, it really shows that we are very well-rounded and can do pretty much anything at a high level. Um, Dawn, I I loved watching her play in college. I I loved watching her uh, play professionally. She has that that it factor and she's you know brought that over to the coaching side and what I I love the way that she coaches because it's life you know she she coaches from a perspective that our culture where what we need accountability um, you know she wants you to fail and then she coaches you up from that to give you that grit And, and and that's how you create winners not only in sports, but in life. So she was that, you know, never quit, and, and she's instilling that into her players. And, and I think it's a wonderful thing. But 
the the one thing we know about you know winning championships it's not easy it, it is uh, you know you have to have you have to have that great day you know from the beginning to the end and anything can happen so her job and, and I think she's done an amazing job of of you know preparing those girls for battle uh just some days is just you know it's not your day so you got to bring your A game every every day you know and one of the things about going undefeated which I've you know we've seen look at you know the NFL I I don't think anybody's will ever break the Dolphins undefeated season uh one thing about winning you know going undefeated early is complacency so you win and say okay well we know you know we're we're going to win this game and you kind of take a playoff here or there but it doesn't work out that way so you know that's just one of those tough things and and losing early in the season or late in the season before your championship run kind of helps reset that tenacity you know so it's, it's just a tough thing to do but just as far as um our culture you know we have shown over and over that we can excel on so many different levels. And this is just another uh, thing that epitomizes, you know, what we can do if given the opportunity. So hats off to, you know, and and I pray that it continues to grow and we have more and more opportunities, not only to coach, but to be an athletic director at a university, to be president of, you know, one of these major universities and, and so many things like that own, you know, multiple franchises. I agree with you. And you alluded to Don Staley in an interview that she had um, or a video saying that she's not like their parents. She wants them to fail and have a bad day, maybe a bad game, a bad week or a bad month because she said there's growth that comes out of that. So I really like um, how she put that. Um, last question, Coach Johnson and Coach Henry, and then we're going to talk some transfer portal. Um, I want to talk about Angel Reese and her personality. Um, good for the game, not. In the media, she said, I'm not going to change. I am who I am, and um, and you all accept that from others, but you didn't accept it from me. Talk about that for just a moment, because I love the way she put it, you know, um, she is a trash talker. She's from Baltimore. She played with a lot of um, young men coming up, and that is her game. Talk about her personality. Should she change it? Um, obviously, Kim Mulkey says no. Who you want to go, Mark or me? Johnson. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence with this one. I, I love it, but at the same time, you know, I, I kind of see – where the media can spin it to make her a villain later on down the line. And I I pray that that doesn't happen. But when you look at the men's side, you know, all the the guys who were, you know, major trash talkers and, you know, the the media really spent it to make them um, out to be, you know, villains because they felt like there was no place for it. Uh, you know, look at, you know, what what they tried to do to her uh, with the whole ring thing, you know, try to really, you know, put her down. And, and we're looking at it like, hey, that's a part of the game, you know. So I, I pray that 
it doesn't backfire her saying, you know, that's who I am. I'm not going to change. And the the narrative of, um, you know, what the media can do says, nah, we, we, we can make you change. We'll just make life really hard for you. Um, you know, I, 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 I love it. But at the same time, I, I do want her to have a long and successful uh, career without the death threats, without, you know, the, the backlash from being herself. So that's the only thing for me that, that kind of worries me with, with that because we, we know the potential of what can happen when, you know, a, um, a black person says, hey, I, I'm going to be me and I'm in your face. We, we've seen it too many times what can happen in, in those situations. Point, Coach Johnson. Um, Coach Henry, your, your thoughts about this in introducing themselves with LSU before a game. Um, one puts a crown on her and she'll point and put a ring on. This is all some of the, you know, things that are going on in introductions during a game. But um, I think she's taking it a little bit further and a little bit further every game and certainly exposure in March Madness Final Four. Your thoughts about this? Because that's a good point by Coach Johnson. Um, it could be a hindrance too um, later on in life. Your thoughts, Coach Henry? Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna play the devil's advocate and, and, and disagree to an extent. Let her be her. Separate what's on the court and what's off the court. You know, don't put someone in a box. You know, I think in today's game in any sport, that's what that's what uh, you know makes the sport entertaining. It gives her an edge. She plays with an edge. Off the court, she's a totally different person. You can't uh, box her in as uh, one way off the court and, uh, you know, assume that she's the same way on the court. Uh, you know, you can look at Terrell Owens for what Coach Johnson's saying. We're talking about a guy that should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, was never in trouble with the law, uh, you know, no uh, domestic violence cases or some of the other things that uh, some of the other players that have been elected into the Hall of Fame have. He was an in-your-face type of guy. Uh, you know, it, but that was more for a show. That was to get attention. That was part of marketing, and that's what you have to look at it as. That's part of the marketing. That's what people want to see is that type of game, that in-your-face, trash-talk type of game up and down the court. That's what you want to see. That's part of her game. I think she shouldn't change. I think she's doing fine. I don't care what the media says. You know, you, you have to play for you. The, the thing that the media has to understand is don't be so quick to judgment. Now, the uh, the sharpshooter from Iowa did the same thing. Nobody said anything. As soon as they do it, now she was in her face a little bit, but that's where the camera anger caught it, right, at that particular time. That's what the perception is, not exactly what it's meaning to come off as. And you can best believe players at that level have seen each other in AAU, at camps. This is not the first time they've encountered each other. So off the court, these players uh, interact and know each other. They work out together in, in the spring, in the summer, uh, off season. They go to camps. When they get to the professional ranks, they still work out and train together. So I would read too, don't read too much into that. Continue to play her game. Continue to do that, what she's doing. She's there to play basketball. She's not there to impress the media or be everybody's friend. Continue to do what she does. I agree with you. Let her be her. Um, and hopefully she won't suffer any long-term consequences. And what a good comparison because Terrell Owens was that player that, you know, had some, some flamboyancy but um, was never in any trouble on or off 
to feel, I don't think. And I know that there was some things, but never any basic trouble. And um, I think that's a good comparison. Gentlemen, let's stop right there because I want to come back and talk about the transfer portal and then get into just a little bit of NFL break here. I'm here with Coach Johnson and Coach Henry um, Coast to Coast Athletics and also on your Mark Sports. This is Never Had It So Good. I'm Princess Cooper, and we're going to just take a break and come back. I want to appreciate, again, say a shout-out to my co-host, Holly, um, also Tim Moore, for what they have done for Never Had It So Good in the, in the, in the great week that we've had. Good. We'll be right back. You're listening to Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Never Had It Radio. And find us on Facebook, Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. Taking a break. We'll be right back. Inside Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Join us live weekdays at 7 p.m. and on site at Hills Barbershop on Fridays at 5 p.m. We make it easy to talk sports. You can catch us every night at 7 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. And we go live at Hills Barbershop on Fridays at 5 p.m. And usually I'm the only girl, and I've learned to hold my own with that. I'm here with Coach Johnson and Coach Henry. And, Coach Johnson, I'll start with you, the transfer portal. I sent you all a chart um, that was updated last week. I don't know how much has changed, probably not much um, this week. But your thoughts about where – um, Colorado is, first of all. And then we'll talk about maybe some of the instances for everybody else. But part of the plan and or part of the expectation, 56 have left the program. As a matter of fact, um, they had something that said there were 80 young men on campus when when um, 
2022 started and when uh, Deion Sanders got there, there's still there are just now 18 of those those young men left. Your thoughts first about Colorado and 56 gone into the transfer portal. Well, I, the way I look at it, um, knowing Deion, he's in a you know win now mode because of course a lot of people want him to succeed and a lot of people want him to fail. So uh, the the program, if you think about it you know, has been, been losing for a while. And, um, you know, one, one thing now with, with social media, we, we kind of look at everything with, with tunnel vision, but go backwards and see where the program was. And if he evaluated those guys, which I'm sure he did, you know, and, and said, hey, uh, this is one of the reasons why, you know, the, the team has been dysfunctional, uh, let's bring in some guys that are um, that can make an immediate impact, right? So he said, "Don't don't focus on who's leaving. Focus on who's coming." So he's making room for guys that can come in. And and let's go back to what Kim Mulkey did, right? Two years at LSU, she brought in six players, I believe, out of the transfer portal. So that means some had to go as well, right? So look at what she was able to do with the players that she brought in. This is no different than what Dion is doing at Colorado is making room for guys who they've looked at, guys that they have relationships with that they know can come in and make a, an immediate impact and elevate the team to whatever wins, you know, they're going to get uh, this year. So I, I think – you know, that's a part of it, probably the majority of it. And then, you know, you have to look at, um, you know, and people probably don't really talk about this a lot. You have to be a, a, a certain kind of player to, to be coached by Dion. Uh, he's not going to put up with a lot of BS. There, there's a lot of structure. And we know a lot of kids don't like a lot of structure. So, you know, he's going to call you out. He wants you to wear your clothes a certain way. That's not what you want to do. You're not going to work out with him. So it may be a trickle-down effect from, you know, the, the, the way that he coaches, the accountability piece. Um, you know, kids say, I, I just, I can't take that. And he's looking at it like, okay, that's fine. Make room for, you know, people that can. But I'm not alarmed by seeing, you know, 56 go in because, that coaching staff, I went out to Colorado. That coaching staff is very good. Those guys know what they're doing, and they're evaluating and bringing in, you know, guys that are going to make uh, make an impact. So, you know, to me, it's not a, a major deal other than he's overhauling a program in front of our eyes, and we just get to see it. Yeah, he's overhauling a program that was one and eleven, and I want to correct myself. Seventy-one um, scholarship players for Colorado are gone out of eighty-four. Seventy-one out of eighty-four are gone. Seventeen graduated. So I wanted to correct my numbers there, Coach Henry. Your thoughts about this? To be expected. Again, they were one and eleven last year. There wasn't a thousand people that showed up for the spring game, and at the spring game this time, probably thirty, forty thousand. Your thoughts, Coach Henry, about what's going on with Deion Sanders? Then maybe getting a little bit 
additional exposure because this, the number is high. But I think that's what was going to happen, and he's getting in a lot of commitments from better players. Your thoughts, um, Coach Henry? Well, I think that he came in and said that at the beginning at the press conference, and I guess people thought that uh, Coach Sanders was playing games or he was wolf, selling wolf tickets. He's been like that any time he's coached, from prime true to prime 707 to when he got to Trinity, when he got to Jackson State, like Coach Johnson said, leave the BS at the door. He wants conformity and uniformity, from the socks to the shorts, no earrings, no cell phones, no jewelry. When you come, he wants your entire focus. And that's the way he changed everything and every program that he went to. He put his thumbprint, and he got his coaching staff, and he's going to get the players that he wants in the fold. You're going to conform or you're going to be out. And that's exactly what he said when he came to Colorado. That's what he did at Jackson State. I think people are, are overreacting because of the high number. But, again, like Coach Johnson said, a 1-11 in team. You have to change the culture, and sometimes it's by leading the masses out. You know what I'm saying? You know, when you wash white clothes, you put chlorine or you put Clorox in there to get the dirt out. You have to get the dirt out to get clean. He's trying to clean up this program by any means necessary. And it starts at the top. Dion is very hard on himself, and he's been an elite coach since he's been coaching. This is nothing new to, to Dion. I think that's what's going to get Colorado back. Uh, it may not happen uh, until two years from now where they're competing for a national championship, but you can expect them to be very competitive this year. I think the difference at Jackson State and at Colorado is he has the facilities, he has the backing of the administration, and just an overall more support from the boosters. And let's just be uh, honest, economically it's more friendly at Colorado than it was at Jackson State. They built that program at Jackson State from where they came from when uh, you know Coach Sanders and his staff got there. They left him in a great spot. Now he's trying to do the same thing at Colorado. It's just on a bigger stage. He's got more cameras and more eyes on him now at Colorado than he ever had at Jackson State. So, uh, you know, not just Colorado's numbers, but if you go down that list, those numbers are astonishing that players jumped in the portal. But like we always say, and we talk about on on your Mark show, and Coach Johnson and I have these conversations, do not go into the transfer portal without a plan because you can still be there and be at home and not be playing ball and not be going to school. So transfer portal, you have to have a plan. You have to have your next, uh, you know, program ready to go. Don't just go in there just because you're unhappy. There's a lot of more things that go into it, which is, uh, you know, we could be here all day talking about it. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. He was making 300000 at Jackson State. He gave back 150000 Clearly to Jackson State so they can get the facilities in a better place. Um, at Colorado, $29.5 million, five-year deal, um, $5.5 million his first deal. Economically, I agree with you, Mark Henry, um, that's a lot different, and he's able to do things differently now that he's there. And he said in the interview or in his introduction, um, I have a lot of dogs coming, and they're bringing their own luggage with them. So that is where we are. Now, that list is still concerning to me. Um, Coach Henry, uh, Ole Miss on there, Lane Kissing, um, Texas A&M on there, Jimbo Fisher, you know, there's some things going on there. And, of course, 
the list really got my attention because the Gators were on there. But your thoughts about the rest of that? You know, um, there are a lot of reasons why people, young men, transfer in, in football. You know, a change in their position coach or the coordinator. You know, maybe they lost their starting position um, in, in the meantime, or there's some tampering going on and a better NIL deal was offered. Your thoughts about the rest of that list there, though, um, and, and where we are in the transfer portal. And I know we can go on and on. I just want to kind of get a concise, you know, answer from you. Well, I, I know I'll speak on Texas A&M first because uh, they had a really rough year this year. Uh, you know, Jimbo Fisher's been on the hot seat, uh, although, you know, he hadn't been on the hot seat so hot where they had to get rid of him, you know, firing him. But I think, you know, that freshman class was supposed to be a very highly touted class coming in uh, this past year in the state of Texas. Uh, I'm talking about a number one recruiting class. But until you put those guys on the field, you know, that's to be seen. The, the transfer portal is set to give them a chance to remake their career or redo, or have a redo, you know, just like when coaches – they go to different places or get another job. This is what the, you know, in my opinion, that's what it was supposed to do. But uh, you know, Ole Miss is is up there. Is, is you know, Lane Kiffin is kind of in the same breath as as, as uh, you know, Coach Sanders. You know, he's a a, a big time coach in the fact that he is a no nonsense guy. Uh, you know, a lot of times the media misconstrues things he says or some of his antics or whatever. We're talking about one of the best uh, offensive minds of this decade. Um, and I think that he's really trying to beat uh, Alabama and Georgia to get over that hump, and he has to do that. Those are the things that you have to do. You want to put your best foot forward each year. And, you know, for coaching staffs, the transfer portal is almost a reset button. It's an attempt to get things right quickly uh, and right your ship. And to compete in the SEC, you've got to get by Bama. You've got to get by Georgia right now, who's a two-time champion. And as far as the Gators go, you know, they lost the big-time player, Anthony Richardson. So, uh, you know, they got one coming in D.J. Lagaway in the next uh, recruiting class. But these numbers are, are definitely astounding. I, I really, uh, you know, take a back seat to that and wonder, you know, what's going on internally in some of these programs that we have such a high turnover. But I do agree that, you know, some of these numbers are astounding, uh, you know, with Florida at 26, uh, Arkansas at 29 in Arizona state. But now Arizona state's a different uh, story is they had some sanctions come down. They had a whole new coaching staff. So they had some turnover there. So some guys that were in, uh, in that program decided to leave when the coaching staff left, uh, you know, it, it, when your position coach leaves, that's a big thing. You know, when, when you get guys coming in, you know, from the high school ranks and sometimes junior college ranks to big programs like this, their position coach and their relationship with the position coach is everything. Sometimes there's a better relationship with the position coach than the uh, head coach themselves. So you have to look at that with Arizona State is the turnover of this coaching staff. Uh, and also the University of Miami, uh, you know, with uh, you know, Coach Sandoval coming in from Oregon, you know, that's a big-time uh, program that's trying to relaunch themselves and rebrand themselves to get back to the days of the youth. So uh, right now the transfer portal – uh, you know, that's the big talk of college football right now and how it affects programs year to year. And also look at look at Oregon tied with uh, A&M, you know, at 31. That was, if you look at it, that staff came in last year, uh, taking over from Crystal Ball, who left to go to Miami. And actually Crystal Ball has a lower turnover 
uh, than Oregon does. So to me, it looks like they're pushing a lot of those kids from the crystal ball era out to make room for their guys under their new recruiting cycle. And same with uh, Florida. Florida's staff just got there last year. So it looks like, you know, that's just a continuation of, you know, the, the, the staffs trying to get, you know, players that they're comfortable with. Um, so they have to, you know, and, and one thing a lot of people don't talk about is a coach will, will send a kid in a portal if they're not working out. You know, if, if the player doesn't fit their system or, you know, he's just complacent or just not a good fit, you know, the coach say, hey, you know, go go test the waters and, and, and see if you can make it happen. Dion is one of the only ones that's just saying it, you know, publicly that that's what they're doing. But it happens everywhere. So, to me, the numbers aren't surprising because when you look a little deeper into, you know, the staff and say, okay, how long have they been there, right? Um, and then, two, you you got to remember it is a – a win now um, type of mentality with a lot of coaching. So I, I think the patience part is is going to be shortened because hey, you're not working out. Let me go find somebody that can because we have the opportunity to do so. So by having the portal, it makes coaches a little more impatient um, to give you that that leeway of developing, you know, and, and maturing because, yeah, I can go find somebody else that's ready right now. So when you look at it, you know, they're, they're, we'll never know the correct answer, but just from, you know, the surface, especially like Oregon, I mean, Ole Miss, I, I really don't know what's, you know, I, I know they just lost a, a coach, um, but it could be that, again, SEC, they want to win. So we have to make room, you know, and, and, and get some better guys in here that can make a bigger impact. So, um, you know, Arizona State, of course, you know, like you said, Mark, they're definitely rebuilding. You know, that staff that's coming in, they have to wipe the slate clean, which is, again, no different than what Colorado is doing because they came in this year. So they're, they're probably just doing it a little bit slower than Dion because they got there a little later. So, but they're still doing it. So, you know, it, it, it's all the same. You have to make room, um, you know, if the players there aren't cutting it. And that's the unfortunate part of it. You got to make room for, you know, guys that can. And you have to say, too, that um, Coach Prime is different in, in that he does not mind being on video, being uh, being taped, he wants this documented. He doesn't mind having this transition, you know, broadcast a little bit bigger than most. Arizona State lost Herm Edwards. He's now back at ESPN. So, yeah, um, they maybe got a, a slower start. But you, you'd have to say they're in that same position too. Um, and, and we'll put Transfer Portal right there. We could We could talk about this for days, but, of course, Again, I'm worried about just one team on there, and I hope they do better this year. Gentlemen, I want to talk about the NFL draft. Um, um, 
Bryce Young at one, C.J. Stroud at two, Will Anderson at three, and Anthony Richardson at, at four. Um, Coach Johnson, your thoughts? Did this kind of pan out like you thought? I didn't think that Richardson would go at four, but it seems that um, that's all the Colts were looking at. And um, because of their head coach now, and he is that dual threat kind of guy, um, offensive coordinator, um, Richardson failed at four. But did this kind of pan out young at one, C.J. Stroud at two in your books and, and, and in the top four? Just watching it, the the preliminary, um, I, I thought it would go one and two. And after that, it, it, it kind of threw me off. I thought Will would go at three, but it makes sense. Year to year with the draft is the need. What is, you know, who's coming out and what is the most pressing need? And then availability of, of funds and being able to trade. So it, it makes sense the way that it, it played out. Uh, it's just, you know, always funny to see it, you know, in, in action. But I, I thought he would have went, you know, third. But still not bad to go four. I mean, he, he's sitting in a great spot. Um, now, you know, team-wise, I, I think they're, they're still in a rebuilding phase. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that, you know, over the next year or two. Oh, Coach Henry, the the Texans move up, and they get Stroud at two and Anderson at three. That really surprised me. And then your thoughts about Richardson, because he is drafted at four, need to start right away. That's a lot of value in the, in, in, in the first round and top five pick. Does he start right away? But the first one is the Houston Texans and the big move that they made. Well, that was a shocker for them to be able to get uh, Stroud and Anderson in the first couple of picks. But those are two cornerstone possibly uh, changes that can in their in their particular uh, program and in their uh, franchise. Let's just be honest, though. Texas have been very bad as an organization uh, for the last, I would say, five to six years. Me being a Houstonian. You know, the people in Houston, they don't like bad football. And Coach Johnson knows this from, uh, you know, being in Houston for a long time. The people in Houston are starving for great football. And Texas is a football state. So the Texans had to get this one right. And I think out of all the teams in the NFL, this was the biggest uh, splash, if you will, of the draft. Uh, Stroud has all the things that you want in a franchise quarterback. And Anderson is a game changer. They haven't had anybody on defense like this since J.J. Watt, and that's what you want to build the team around. Change the culture, change the uh, fan perception in Houston, because right now it's in the gutter. These these fans are very, very upset with the organization. Uh, you know, we lost uh, Deshaun Watson and all of the fiasco and things that that went uh, through. They let, they let J.J. Watt go. Uh, a lot of things in Houston have been, ter- you know, in turmoil, and have not been in the favor of the franchise. So this was something they had to do. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, with the Colts, they haven't had a quarterback since Andrew Luck. So we've been talking about a carousel of quarterbacks that's gone through there the last uh, five years, uh, you know, post-Andrew Luck. They need a franchise guy. They need a guy that they can lean on. They need a young guy that can come in and change the narrative. He can get it done with his legs, with his arm. He's a superior athlete. And I think that, you know, people on the outside, and I'm sure you know this, 
They don't give him enough credit for his uh, football IQ, which is something that people don't talk about. Everybody's enamored with the physical gifts, of course. That's what you see on film. But Anthony Richardson is very, very intelligent. And if you go back and look at some of his film and some of his throws, he's a guy that can potentially come in and, uh, you know, down the line be a, a MVP-type player. So I think that they got the right pick. Whether he starts the first day or the first game, that's to be seen. He has to come in and embrace the culture there. He has to come in and embrace the offense and get in there and get his feet wet first before we can say that he's going to be the starter. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised midseason if everything goes right that Richardson's in the lineup. I agree with you, and, and you're correct. I got a chance to see, you know, out of those 13 games, I saw maybe 11 of them up close, and Richardson has the 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 acumen. He has the the wherewithal to to understand, and he's an intelligent young man. It's not just the physical attributes, but mentally ready too. Let's see how. Um, quick he can understand and see the defenses of the NFL. Coach Henry, I want to start with you and just give me a winner and a loser of the of the draft, someone that you said, and I think, you know, you just mentioned the Texans, um, and you're correct. The franchise has been in the dumpster the past two or three years for a lot of reasons and letting coaches go after one year. But did they win in this one, or who is a winner and a loser in this draft to you? And then I'll come to Coach Johnson. I would say the Texans are a winner in the strategy they used to get uh, those two high draft picks. Now, they gave up a lot, but we're talking about two guys who are expected to go on the field from day one. Uh, I like what the Atlanta Falcons did and shook up the whole draft, and they got Bijan Robinson. They hadn't had a franchise back in a long time since, in my opinion, Jamal Anderson and, uh, you know, the Dirty Bird. That's going to bring some excitement to the ATL. I really, really like that pick. Of course, you know, I'm a big Longhorn fan. Uh, and love Deshaun Robinson, his his career at the University of Texas. But I'm going to tell you, I think is the steal of the draft is the Deuce Vaughn pick by the Dallas Cowboys. Pound for pound, one of the best players coming out of college football. He was under-recruited coming out of high school in around the Austin, Texas area. His dad got a chance to pick him and make the call since he's a scout and works within the organization. Losing Ezekiel Elliott. This is a guy that can come in from day one and make plays. He's shifty in space. He's a guy with suddenness in and out of his breaks. He can hit you in the pass game. He can hit you between the tackles. He can hit you in the return game. The Deuce Vaughn pick, by far, in my opinion, is a sleeper pick that you're going to see this guy come on the field and make plays from day one for the Dallas Cowboys. But I think that they really, really did a phenomenal job of, of getting Deuce Vaughn. Uh, the team that I don't see that made a big splash was the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, some guys that, you know, they did for position-wise, uh, you know, to, to strengthen the numbers, but I don't think that they made a big splash as far as uh, big-time uh, guys that they signed or, or um, drafted in their um, in their particular uh, draft. But, you know, they got an A-minus draft grade, so We'll see. I think that, you know, Joe Burrow and those guys are a couple of plays away from being back in the Super Bowl. But that's a team that um, actually uh, I thought had a subpar uh, draft. But the Kansas City Chiefs is another team that I got. They got a player that I think is going to be a difference maker right away, and that's SMU wide receiver Rasheed Weiss. 
had a chance to cover him when he was in high school at Richmond High School, and he was a phenomenal uh, receiver at SMU. But I think he comes in there and he gives Patrick Mahomes a safety blanket outside of Travis Kelsey. Remember Rasheed Rice for, uh, from SMU being drafted by the Chiefs. I, I like that, and I like that. I, I fell in love with you when you said Deuce Vaughn is a sleeper and a good pick by the Dallas Cowboys because um, I, I love my Cowboys. Coach Johnson, your thoughts, because I've been telling you all when I was on your show a couple weeks ago, I wanted B. John Robinson, um, and I just didn't think he would go that high. Running backs had not been going that high. Two running backs go in the first round. But your thoughts about this, Coach Johnson? Well, Mark stole my, my – my Cowboys, um, they to me they did win, and and I give a lot of props to the, the Texans. Uh, they did great, but also I think uh, a winner was the, uh, the Raiders. You know they did a really good job with with what they could uh, in bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo um, and you know Josh Jacobs. I, I think they did a, a great job of you know, utilizing the draft to trade up and, and, and grab some really good players. Um, losers, uh, only because, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a Cowboys fan and I love it. I think the Giants did a, a horrible job in the draft, which, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, I, I don't think they really put themselves in a situation where um, they're going to, you know, be a contender next season with with their picks. So those are my my winners and losers uh, in the draft. I'm going to leave, ask this last question here. Um, the Eagles picking up Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, and I think one more they oh they um, then traded for um, Deontay. I think it is um, um, a running back. So, but thoughts about did they do um, do well by get, picking up Jalen Carter considering his small baggage? I was glad to see, happy to see him get drafted so early. And then coming back and getting Nolan Smith who had a pectoral tear, but they said that he has the, the, the better upside of all of them. Your thought and then Coach Henry. Oh, you know, I, I didn't do as much research on this one as, as you you did. Um, so I, I'm kind of at a loss on this one, honestly. Um, I really, and, and that's rare that I'm at a loss. Um, but I, I'm stumped on this one. Well, I, I'll coach, pick it up coach. for you. I can, tag, tag me in. Tag me in, Coach. I think that uh, Jalen Carter was one of the uh, ph- most phenomenal athletically gifted players at any position in the draft, and that's why they took a chance on him. We're talking about a guy that can mo- has a motor to go from sideline to sideline, big, fast, and physical. You saw him dominate when he was at the University of Georgia, and that's why uh, you know he he was the top pick for those guys. I think that Philly knows they what they have offensively. They just gave Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, uh, a big-time salary, and he's the cornerstone or the franchise quarterback that they have, uh, you know, for years to come. And he's young. you got to look at those guys like Fletcher Cox on the defense who's been a stalwart over there for years. Uh, Philly wants to win defensively. If you look at the game, 
they kind of wore down. We're talking about the Super Bowl. They wore down against Kansas City. They played well until the final, uh, you know, few moments of the game, and Patrick Mahomes and those guys outlasted them. But what happened? It gave up things defensively. So we have to shut down the run to get to the passer. That's what the Eagles are looking at. And, you know, looking at the NFC East, you got, uh, you know, uh, Daniel Jones and George, uh, excuse me, at, uh, at the Giants, and you got Dak Prescott. So what do they have to do? They have to rush the passer and stop these guys within their division. Now that you got A-Rod or Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets, look around the NFC and see what kind of quarterbacks that they have to chase down. This is what they were thinking. And Nolan Smith, definitely I agree, even though he was injured, you take a chance on a guy. You could use this as his red shirt year. Uh, And when I say red shirt, this is a time for him to heal up and get better. He could come back at the end of the season or the last quarter of the season uh, and be ready for the playoffs to be another guy to come off, off the bench and rush the passer and play defense. So, uh, you know, they got Sidney Brown as well, cornerback uh, uh, Keely Rango, and then uh, another Texas guy, Mauro Ajamo. So they went defense heavy. I think they know what they got on offense. They're set. Some of those guys along the, off- or the defensive line are starting to get long in the tooth as far as age goes. So you have to come in and, and rejuvenate, and they needed that extra push defensively. Those two guys, and Carter and Smith, athletically gifted for guys that play in the three technique or the D-line uh, right in there. And that's kind of what Philly is. They're a 4-3 defense. Uh, they rush the passer, but they play the run to get to the passer. So those two guys fit their scheme very well. Fortunately, the Eagles got better, but I'm still rooting for my Cowboys. Gentlemen, thank you for with me today. I appreciate it. Any last words from either one of you? Tell the listeners um, about your show on Wednesdays. At 11 a.m. your time, 12 p.m. Eastern time. Yes, ma'am. Well, we appreciate you for joining us. The On Your Mark show, uh, powered and sponsored by Epic Sports Apparel. Every play I compete. Uh, man, it's it's exactly what we talk about every week. Uh, you know, we try to uh, talk to the parents to get to the kids. Uh, you know, recruiting, uh, you know, transfer portal, camps, what you need to do position-wise. Uh, things that can elevate and help uh, players and parents to get to the next level. That's what kind of what the show revolves around. We have parents, coaches, uh, trainers. Of course, myself and Coach Johnson are there every week. Um, we got a big camp coming up this week. Coach Johnson may want to talk about that a little bit more, uh, the prospect uh, showcase we're having at uh, Salina High School here in Texas. A chance for kids to come out, get better. There will be some college coaches present. Just try to get them that exposure as well uh, that they may not be getting. A lot of these kids, unless they're, uh, you know, ranked highly or they have the measurables, sometimes they get overlooked. Well, we're uh, the type of guys that want to give them that exposure and give them that chance to uh, get themselves noticed, get that exposure as well. Uh, we also put on the Flex Zone camps, one of the top camps, one-on-one camps in the country, and Coach Johnson can probably uh, elaborate more on that as well. Princess, I, I appreciate what I love about you is you are not afraid to be you uh, unapologetically. And the same thing we are really trying to do is create a, a narrative that is positive for uh, the space. There's a lot of negativity going around. 
and you are doing an eloquent job of, you know, showing that you can be a woman in this space and, and do an amazing job. So hats off to you. And I, I think, you know, what we're trying to do is the exact same thing. Uh, younger market as far as really trying to give the, the a voice to the guys who really need the exposure uh, and, and giving parents uh, just another avenue of where you can come listen, learn from, you know, people that's done it listen and learn from us, uh, and, and, and like Mark said, you know, give young men, young ladies uh, a, a platform where another platform where they can come and, and show off their, their skills in a controlled, uh, great environment with and really learn and, and move on. So the showcase that we have coming up this weekend in Salina is just another platform that we're giving, you know, eighth graders up uh, an opportunity to come and learn and showcase their skill, get tested before camp season starts to see where they are in the the various drills, 5105, the 40 um, L drill, things like that, to kind of test to see where they are before the real camp season starts. And we will have college coaches in attendance. Uh, it'll all be, you know, in the indoor facility. Great beautiful, amazing facility. Look up Salina High School. It, it's it's one of the best in, in Texas, and, and that's a lot to say when you have so many schools, you know, here that are uh, amazing. Um, and, and like Mark said, I truly believe that the one-on-one one -on -one competition flex zone is, is one of the best in the country. Um, we are still building it, still making it better. Another place where kids can come and compete and be who they are learn a lot, and, and not feel like they're not going to be looked at um, just for who they are because we score every single kid. And we want to make sure that every kid is, is looked at, evaluated, coached the same, and has an opportunity to walk away with, you know, just tools. But let me say one, one thing about that, too. A lot of times parents get caught up in, you know, a kid winning MVP or, you know, this or that. At the end of the day, parents is not about a kid winning an MVP at a showcase at a camp or anything like that. If, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, then guess what? Life is life. Go back to the lab, work on it, get better because no matter what we do, you know, there's always going to be somebody marginally better or, or, you know, be in a situation where there's still something to learn. You know, we're, we're looking and preparing kids for the long term, which is beyond high school, which is beyond, you know, college. And learning how to lose gracefully is okay, you know. And, and then what can I do to get better from that, um, to me, is way more important than just the win because you learn more about who you are taking a L. So with that being said, um, again, you know, hats off to you, Princess. Thank you so much for, for having us on. We are learning a lot from you uh, and look forward to having you back on as a co-host with us soon. To it, gentlemen, thank you. Um, I appreciate you both. And give me the time for the, the, the camp on Saturday. What time, Coach? 
It's uh, check in is at twelve forty five, and, and we'll start at one from one to around four o'clock. All right, Mark Henry, thank you, Stefan Johnson, thank you. I couldn't do this without you. Absolutely, man. We appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. That is Coach Johnson and Coach Henry, and we will be back tomorrow at 5 p.m. at Hills Barbershop. Never had it so good. We'll see you then.